Hello and welcome to Is Honesty the Best Policy with your hosts Hannah and Katie. We are using this platform to open up the conversation to the topics we are all thinking about but not discussing. We are here to let you know you are never alone. Each week we will delve into a different topic that we feel needs to be destigmatised. Whilst we might explore these topics deeply, these are our own personal experiences and opinions. We are not experts in any of these areas, so please seek professional advice if you need to. We hope you enjoy the pod and now it's time to explore if honesty is always the best policy. Smash it! everyone and welcome back to is honesty the best policy this is actually our last episode of the season not ever we are coming back can you believe it i can't believe we've recorded eight this is episode number eight like it's gone so fast i can't believe it it. but i mean i've had the best time this has been so good like opening up these conversations has been so much fun but also like really cathartic and like thought-provoking like it's got me thinking Mm. about something so yeah I've had a great time can't wait for season two definitely like we come I don't know about anybody listening but even ourselves we come away from every episode being like I've got so many ideas oh my gosh they really sparked this thought going in my brain and I think it's just really interesting to talk about these topics that are you know a bit more reserved or like not really opened up about and just hearing like what people have to say about them yeah absolutely and it's been amazing to hear from people that have listened to the podcast and how it's impacted them and things they're taking from it um so we would love to hear from you like please contact us with what you think and if you have any ideas or people that you think we should have on in the next season then let us know yeah we'd love to hear from you but this week we do have another very exciting episode we're going to be talking a little bit about dyslexia yeah this is um going to be kind of the start of a mini series I guess like obviously this is the last episode of the season um, but moving into season two we want to do a few episodes as well on other neurological conditions Um, because I think they definitely need to be more openly talked about and the impact they have on adult life and often they're spoken about uh, with children at school and how it impacts them and how they need to be supported but actually how do these neurological conditions affect us in our adult lives when there's a lot more you know to think about in terms of relationships work etc etc so it'll be really interesting to kind of delve into those um but yeah like you say today we're focusing on dyslexia and the impact it has you know in everyday life and we're going to be talking to Hannah's sister today so Hannah's sister Alice is joining us on the podcast today so that'll be really exciting um to have yeah her on and get her opinions on what you know she's been through with someone that was diagnosed with dyslexia so really excited yeah definitely um you'll get to chat to my sister um but I think it'll be really interesting to see because she was diagnosed quite young um obviously we'll hear this all from her um but just to see how she has dealt with it and how it's affected her has sort of changed throughout of her life um, yeah I think that'd and, be know, really interesting just to see what she takes away from it and how she navigates around it and if there's people out there who maybe you have dyslexia or you think you do or you've got a relative who may have it um, I hope this can just help open it up to other people and see that it's like not something to be afraid of it's actually you know there's a lot you can do with it yeah and open up around like 
what the symptoms are because it isn't I know a lot of people think like dyslexia is oh you find it difficult to read and write but that's not just it and I think it's really important for people to know what the symptoms of dyslexia are are do you know do you resonate with them or does someone in your family and how can you best support them because actually it affects your everyday and you know it's not just reading and writing but it affects your, your organization your memory your communication which then impacts your relationships like how you cope at work having those conversations at work and organizing yourself to make sure you turn up to every meeting and you know what you need and what you're going to do like it really does impact your everyday and I think it's a really important conversation to be to be opened up so I'm really excited to kind of find out a bit more and have a better understanding of it and how it impacts adult life and you know how we can best support those with dyslexia because I know myself I don't have dyslexia but having ADHD having that neurological condition it really does impact my everyday life and it impacts me very much so into my adult life so it'll be really interesting to to have that conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. So I think before we go any further into this, we'll um, introduce you to Alice and we'll get talking to her about her dyslexia. Hello, Alice, and thank you so much for coming on Is Honesty the Best Policy? Um, Would you just introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? Yeah, so I'm Alice Irwin and I am an artist um, who has got dyslexia. Yeah, so obviously that is the main topic of um this week's episode so going back to the very beginning um do you remember sort of what age it was that you were diagnosed with dyslexia um so I think I was like around 10 um I don't quite like know exactly because I was quite small but I do remember in class I was always on these really easy comprehension books and I always wondered why why I was doing these really easy comprehension books and why I didn't get fancy pens. Um, But I think, yeah, it was roughly around when I was about 10, when class got a bit more academic, then you started to kind of realise you couldn't do certain things that other people could do. I remember as well, um, my mum saying that there was like a lot of times that Alice would come home with reading books from school and they would be quite a lot younger than everybody else in the class. And Alice would say, why am I reading books a lot younger than others? And also she would hate doing that. Whereas, you know, me and my brother, for example, like we'd enjoyed doing the reading, enjoyed doing the spelling, whereas she hated doing it. And it was just something that she didn't understand why she had to spend her time doing. So like, do you remember, was that it What that made people think you were dyslexic? Was it specifically the reading or was there other things that made people think maybe there was something going on? I don't quite remember completely, but I think, you know, like that's a telltale sign when you're kind of struggling. I think mainly I was just struggling a lot in class overall. You know, people were a lot faster when you were sitting in class. People would be doing processing things a lot quicker and you would still kind of be, you'd have to be asked to read something and I couldn't read out loud because I found that very hard. Um, And I kind of, for someone to read a sentence, it would take me a very long time. Um, like, I think I didn't find maths, maths I quite enjoyed. So it wasn't really on the math, the maths, you didn't really <clears throat> find a problem. But I think when you're just sitting in class and there's lots of things that you have to do and you can't do, you start to kind of realise maybe I need to like 
get some help or see what there is out there to help me. Yeah, definitely. Do you think it affected your confidence at school then? Um, So I think uh, when I was little, when you're like in junior school, it didn't really affect me so much because I would kind of like, they, you'd do class, but I'd just be given an easier comprehension book and kind of the classes were never really formal, especially to at the school that we went to, um, which they made the, the classes were never like completely strict. Um, but I think as soon as I left junior school and went into secondary school, that's where things really started to show and affect me because there was lo- suddenly from being like a small things that I could, a couple of things I couldn't do, like read and write. Um, suddenly you're, you've got more classes going on and like more things started to affect you. I think when you go in, when I went into secondary school, I started to then um, really struggle and started to lose a lot of like self-confidence. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's when you started to go into, because from junior school to secondary school, it's quite a big jump. And in junior school, you had done, I'd done a couple of, because you have to do these like special dyslexic um, classes to be able to get official dyslexia support. Um, and I think as when you go into the senior school, everything gets a lot more formal. And then you have to do a lot more classes that you can't do and then you start and it's also like you have a lot more independence so you can't necessarily hide a bit you're a lot more you have to get yourself to class not class isn't in one room all the time and that's also like subconsciously that's like another thing because then you have to be really organized you have to not only have to get to lesson and learn how to cope with being in class and being able to like read what's going on understand what's going on and participate in a group conversation but you also then have to start to get yourself to class and be on time and you have like all these planners and different books and I think as soon as I got into secondary school I started to really struggle and I started to like kind of not it kind of not work against the dyslexia I think you start to because I know in my class I wasn't the only one who had dyslexia Uh, there was another guy who had like just because I have quite bad dyslexia because you can have different spectrums um and I had like really bad dyslexia and I think like when I wasn't so yeah I wasn't the only one and when we both were in secondary school we were struggling and you'd kind of because you can't cope in class you start to like release your frustration in different ways Um, and I guess when you're younger like you say you have one thing you just have to learn to read or learn to write you just have to do those things everything else is taken care of for you yeah you don't really see the impact of like how it affects your communication your time management your organization all of those things are on something you think about when you're so much younger and you have other people like you say your parents and people at school that kind of take care of those things and you don't really notice their impact but then as you go into secondary school and you start to have more independence all of those things start to kind of take their place don't they and you're then realizing that these are things you find difficult to manage and that's when you kind of 
develop strategies and obviously need the support of others to help you do that but then I guess yeah it can kind of come out in other ways kind of how did that affect you at secondary school well I think as well like the one thing like dyslexia is not just like you can't read you find reading and writing and spelling difficult it's all kind of everything out everything around I think a lot of people don't know that do they so it'd be really interesting yeah and I think like just kind of people just automatically think that you find spelling and um like English difficult but it also comes with like you know for me over time I've had to learn I need to be before I wasn't very organized and I well I found organization quite difficult and I think the one thing that I've learned over time is I need to be extremely organized so that I can cope with so it makes it easier to like just find day-to-day struggles easier and I think like most dyslexic won't they'll you'll find they're extremely hard working because their day-to-day is you've got so much more to like plan to think about because of all the struggles that you're gonna find but I think as well when you then go in, went into senior school, the thing is, because you are having to manage all those, like so many different things, you can't just focus on the main tasks you're facing. And like you've been saying now, when you're faced with having to be organized, having to be on time, having to do your classes, having to do your homework, having to remember to be in this room at this time and write down your homework, you can't just focus on the simple tasks that you were able to focus on in junior school and then that's when your brain is having to sort of cope with all these things going on and it's not really knowing how it can handle more than just one thing so when you were like that we'll go on to how these have changed but when you were in senior school what would you say did become your coping mechanisms how did you try and deal with all this chaos that was going on or were you not able to uh well I think I was I didn't feel like I was able to I think um I didn't I felt like I didn't have control because um I was just struggling with so many things I wasn't you kind of like I also didn't believe in myself because because I got quite because like in secondary school because I wasn't I didn't really fit in because I, I was focusing on just trying to get to class or do class um so I got slightly bullied and I think um didn't felt like I could cope and and I and I think the one thing that triggered off was that I felt like I didn't have control um, because I quite like to know that I've got control of kind of not your life because you can't control your life, but I like to know what's going on. And I think when you're jumped into secondary school, you have to. I felt like I had to not only you like you got, you're quite you have to suddenly be quite grown up. But um, then you also have to learn all these different new things. So I felt like I didn't have control. So I started to, um, the only thing I felt like I could control was what I ate. So I lost like a dramatic, a dramatic lot of weight. Um, and it wasn't because I was had an eating disorder or I was, dis- or I was like anorexic. It was just because I merely felt like I went to class and had no control like in anything you know you're still quite young when you start secondary school so you don't quite understand what dyslexia means 
I think it took me a while to fully understand what dyslexia meant because it is like a learning disability and I think you know like you said I think a lot of people because dyslexia there's such a spectrum of dyslexia and probably everyone has some sort of dyslexia but I think because of that the people that have really bad dyslexia uh, and have to kind of get extra support and everything um, you kind of get undermined a bit so then I felt like the only thing that I could control because I felt like I had I wasn't an anybody because also I think I had gone from school junior school um, being quite a confident person and then you go into secondary school and then suddenly I was having to kind of cope with things I was really struggling with which was dyslexia which was then kind of affecting quite a lot of things I did in school so then you kind of yeah you're contr- you didn't have any control you also at the age of 13 you don't really know what's going on because you're like right I know I can't do like this as well as everyone else I'm really struggling so then you start to kind of find a way of thinking right I have no control in everything that's going on right now what can I control so then that's where I started to control what but I ate you you also had a lot of other changes as well in terms of like you're saying you feel a bit lost because you lose friends who maybe in junior school you were confident and they accepted yeah. you who you are and then you go into senior school and they're gone so you're sort of on your own you're a bit exposed and that's yeah. when you then struggle yeah. to cope. and I think as well like I mean the school we went to was it was very open in helping people people with learning disabilities but I think as well like being in a school environment can be quite formal and necessary like being dyslexic you can't really cope in a formal environment because you know how I learn maybe a bit more like I might be able to spell through a picture rather than like having a formal textbook put in front of you and I think like you have to yeah you then have to like start working out how you're going to cope with this but through that you don't know how to cope with it at the same time yeah it's such a tricky transition for anybody anyway going into secondary school like so much changes and you're trying so hard it is that age where you're trying to fit in you're trying to conform and it's a really difficult time and for you to have yes all of that out of your control it must have been yeah a really tough time and then both Hannah and I have had this you know issues with food and they've both come from a place of trying to get control you it it seems to be I think definitely in women as well that you kind of seek that control from somewhere and and that's where it goes and you don't it's not subconscious you don't know that's happening um I mean it is subconscious (laughs) it's not conscious you don't know that's happening um but yeah it's really interesting and thank you so much for opening up and talking to us about it and um it's really interesting to then think about you know that was a tough time for you and you had those struggles going into you know your later teenage years and moving into your 20s and starting to have a better understanding of your dyslexia what kind of strategies and things did you put in place to help you manage it better in your everyday life well I think so I think it actually started so in secondary school I started to get a lot of support 
from this um study the study support center and i dropped a lot of classes I, I at one point i was doing no classes except sport and art um and i think when i did that i got the art tutor started to show me uh the world of art and then that was where i kind of found that it was a place where I could cope and start to understand what I was trying to say and could not say, um, which I could do through doing art. And then um, I also found that like, you know, sport is a very good way of releasing your like inbuilt energy. Cause when you can't do, uh, well, I found being like dyslexic that because there's so many things you, struggle with you build this like inside frustration and that inside frustration will build up as like energy so I found that um more more so as I left home that I had to put I, I started to do a lot more sport than I did at school um because I found that um it was a really good way of like helping release all this energy that was in my built up in me through this kind of frustration just mental energy of trying to like process your dyslexia and I think like through that time where I was in the art room I managed to like work out ways of how to find my own way to be able to cope and like I think every dyslexic has a different way of coping and they're all will work extra hard because you always do have to work extra hard because you can't what someone can do in one minute you'll take half an hour um so I think you know like through all the through like finding my own way to cope I think something that would be um important to just draw on now is going into the art for just tell us a little bit about that how rather than your language being in words your language then became you know your art didn't it that's how you were able to convey yourself and that's been able to de develop so can you just tell us how you did get to that point where you could direct a lot of what you were thinking through your art and how that's led to you being an artist today yeah so I think um what happened was that when I um through like all the sixth form and everything I just did art and then as soon as I left school, I went to art school. And then that was when I started to kind of realize that I don't have, it doesn't matter that you can't do, like you can't do what most people can easily do. Because like when you get to being in art, it doesn't really matter what you do as much. You're, you find your own way to kind of express what you're trying to say. And then that's like I like you were just saying is it because I can't write what I'm saying or write, read or whatever. I found that I kind of built my through as my arts progressed. I built like this visual language that I use to communicate what I'm thinking to the audience. Um, and I think dyslexia has definitely been a core to what my art is I don't I don't necessarily portray it in the art I do but I think it's um definitely like 
without my dyslexia, I don't, I wouldn't have probably produced such a visual language that I have because I've found like my own ways of saying certain things with certain imagery. Um, And like, I think quite a lot of um, dyslexics are quite visual people. So you do tend to kind of find visual things a lot more easier to understand. Mm. Yeah, and it's amazing to hear you kind of talk about that. And I know sometimes it can be referred as, oh, you've got um, dyslexia or ADHD or autism, whatever it might be. Like people refer, oh, it's your your superpower because you can do this with it and this. And it's like, well, actually, no. And it's really interesting to hear you talk about your art. And I've seen Hannah show me some of what you're doing. It is incredible. And and I think by having dyslexia, it you are more creative and it has allowed you to do that which is amazing but you've also talked about your struggles there and I think it is so important for people to know that yes by having a neurological difference that you do hone in on certain things and you can do incredible things with that and I think that's so important but you also do have those struggles and I think it's really important for people to to know to know that um it was interesting as well for you to kind of start to mention exercise and how that can help you and I know that you've done marathons and you're you do some uh, long like cycle rides and stuff as well and that'd be kind of interesting to hear from you as to why kind of they're your chosen sports and how they best you know help and support you yeah well I think um the marathon running is quite recent because before I I was quite a keen cyclist um because I live in London and I found it was actually I started when I was doing my master's all the friends that I made rode bikes and at the weekends we'd go and cycle to like cycle out of London into the countryside and I find that a very nice a very good way of like switching off and like I'm a much I'm a very outdoors person Mm -hmm. so I found that a way that was cost effective because you don't have when you're a student you don't have that much money um it's and it's also like a really sociable thing and you meet loads of different people um, and you also felt like you've been on like an adventure um but then yeah recently and I found that that was a nice thing to do like, alongside my art because of it's like a way of escaping mm. yeah definitely even though my art's not escaping but you know you sometimes need a place to just kind of clear your mind um and I think um but then recently I had a quite a bad crash so that kind of put I'd still ride my bike um quite a lot but then I started to get really into running uh and doing these doing marathons uh and I really like the marathons because um I think I'm quite into like endurance sports because of the way you kind of you have to kind of get into this meditative state to be able to like do it in a way like you have, if running a marathon you're going to be running for a few hours um and you've got to like keep in this meditative like motion to be able to like sustain the marathon um and i think that's why i've got quite into marathon running um and it's also just quite it's very simple and very easy to do yeah um, most I think all these sports so when I was um going back to when I was at school and really um 
struggling my mum sent me to go to um, a yoga teacher uh, and she was kind of taught me how to meditate and I think like I found doing these certain sports was a nice like a a way that suit me how to kind of like in a way meditate if that makes sense yeah to like clear your brain and just kind of like calm for a little bit um because everything and I find as well like being living in London it's such a busy fast city and when you're more of like a country you'd rather be outside you can feel quite trapped Mm. and then also having to kind of cope with like your dyslexia you can feel even more trapped um and even though like you've got got my art that's in an outburst it sometimes doesn't feel that like I was saying before the frustration that builds up inside you completely resonate with that um because I have ADHD and I find like your brain is just constantly going and I'm sure you get that a lot with dyslexia and sometimes you don't even realize like how much is going on and how agitated you are and it's not until you are outside in the open that it all kind of releases and lets you let go um so I completely resonate with that and I find I am most at peace when I'm like running in the countryside it is then that I completely relax and kind of can unpick my thoughts and feelings a lot more yeah because I guess as well some people enjoy going to the gym but if you go to the gym you're in a building yeah. it's busy there's still a lot overstimulating going. isn't it yeah and your head just yeah. like you can feel a bit claustrophobic and a bit and like, I think as well crazy. sometimes I think it's all mental but sometimes when you're in the gym you feel like yeah claustrophobic and there's mm. just like quite a lot of people around you yeah there's still noise um, there's still so much going on yeah yeah and I do also like get into quite swimming quite a lot I mean I haven't been swimming recently but I used to do a lot of swimming because again it was like that meditative motion of going Mm. up and down which some people would find awfully boring but I found it I find it a really nice way of just kind of you just focus on one thing instead of having to focus on loads of things like for instance for like swimming you just focus on kind of like counting the laps or like running you just focus on your time you kind of it's a lot you just have to focus on one thing well not necessarily one thing because you need to focus on a lot more things I think there is a lot of power to that because we recently did another episode um with a man called Rory and he talked a lot about uh, meditation and he was saying being able to just get your brain to really focus in the present and in the now and I think not doing meditation because it can be a bit intense sitting in a room I don't know trying to really get in touch with your body but if you're running or swimming or cycling you can really focus in the present without realizing that you're doing it so you can shut your brain off but you're not like consciously doing it yeah and I think as well like I had this really interesting way of putting it I mean it wasn't always like that used I used to find you couldn't just go for like a run and you just focus on that one thing. But um, someone like said to me, finding that meditative like motion, it's a bit like as you start, it's like you, you're cleaning a dirty house. And then if you keep cleaning the dirty house, you suddenly have a very clean house. So you find it a lot easier to cope. So it's like that concept at the beginning, you start to kind of find that it doesn't, help so much but then you keep doing it and like you do it daily and then suddenly like you're finding that you kind of can keep 
your mind like cleaner and yeah that's such an interesting thought that actually at the start starting something new can feel really uncomfortable it's so alien and it doesn't yeah it's not having the effect you want to but the more you do it and the more you learn to be comfortable with it that's when you start to make the changes that's really interesting and I think as well like through the through the years I've not it's taken me a while to find what sports like work work for you yeah definitely Um, I think that's so important for people isn't it listening to this that these might not be the sports that are right for them but finding something that makes you feel like that and I think we're not saying the gym isn't the place to be and you might want that in your life but maybe kind of adding something in that is outside that is a bit more peaceful and relaxing in order to achieve that and going into your adult years um, in terms of managing your work and adult life um, what strategies have you kind of found are most helpful and supportive to support you with dyslexia? Um, So I like I love a routine um I love a routine and I love a list I think um when I came out of like uni I had to start to kind of manage like a job then you have to manage going to the studio and managing all of this and I found that suddenly that feeling of not being able to cope would come came back because um you're having to juggle all these things and it's quite difficult but over time I've found that I have to be quite pretty impeccably organized and I also have to kind of at the beginning of each day I write a list so then it's like the thoughts aren't in your head they're on the paper Um, and I think probably for quite a lot of people find they need to need to do that because of just how busy life can get yeah absolutely. I think that's like one thing that I've learned like a little thing that like helps for sure um and kind of I think definitely over the years of kind of really struggling through school and then um kind of going to uni and finding my own feet I've started to kind of I feel a lot comfier knowing my dyslexia and you kind of you just find like little day-to-day things that you do that help so like I said I need a routine so every morning so I'll get up and I will usually go for a run or go for a ride with some friends um because like before I've even started the day I've like cleared my head um and like I've been an early riser ever since I was tiny so and I really like that early mornings because it's like no one's up and also it's then you're ready to then I'm in the right frame mood to start the day um and I mean you still I still have struggles through the day like you know you won't always everything doesn't go so smoothly so like going into adult life now like you're just talking then about your struggles um what would you say are the main struggles that you do still really notice from your dyslexia now whether it's in related to work or everyday life what are the key things that um you battle with with it um well I think so when I was in my master's and my degree all through that I had a personal learning support tutor and then when I left my master's my personal support tutor she stayed with me for about two years and with her I would um we would go through emails we'd go through like planning we do reading because I think um, 
you can very easily, I very easily get lazy um, at kind of writing email properly or, you know, just trying to read or like if I haven't read much recently, my vocabulary can get quite basic because because of like things you find difficult, you then get quite lazy. And um, so then since not having my dyslexic tutors I think um I kind of still struggle with just trying to cope with because of also like now my art is turning into more like a business um you find that that's like a whole new different thing that you have to kind of organize but running the trying to run a business also means that you have to start to write really formal emails and you have to have like your spellings need to be correct and you need to they need to read in a certain way and you need to be able to kind of when you talk about the art you want to have a kind of um you want your vocabulary to explain about the work in a very exciting way but if I've been quite lazy with maybe I haven't so I've been trying to get into the habit of like trying to always read the news so that I know what's going on but also it's a very good way to like read like a formal language um, because, yeah, you can just so easily get lazy and your words and everything gets very basic mm. because that's what you find easy. Um, and um, as being Alice's sister, um, I do receive a lot of texts with, can you read through this email, Hannah? I need to send it now. And I get these texts. I have to proofread all her emails and send it off. And she has got better. Like it was a stage where it was always like, right, I need, I've sent this email. Can you check it's right? And I'd say, Alice, I can't check the emails right after you've sent it. And you'd see all these errors and I'd be like, oh no, no, she's already sent it. But now like you have other people to help you and like, we're all here to help you as well. And when things are difficult, at least, you know, you can get the support from other people and you can, you know, rely on others because not many people would think about that like sending an email is just a oh quick wake up send your email whereas like for you that's a battle that you've got to face and people don't realize that it is no and I think as well like um it comes as well just down to kind of in the art world you can have lots of applications um and a lot of the time I won't even bother doing them because which is a shame because if you don't apply you could have a great opportunity but I won't apply because just of all that I know all of that writing and all that reading I have to do it's just far too stressful so you just end up kind of just not not doing it and yeah yeah no that's so interesting to you talk about that and how it can affect your opportunities and it is amazing that you've got people in your life there that can support you with those things like Hannah helping you with emails like I think that's so important that when you have those struggles that there are people there around you that can support you um how do you think it's affected your relationships and friendships and how have you been able to communicate your dyslexia so people understand what you're going through and how you need support and it isn't just you know how it affects your reading and writing but how it affects your everyday life um I think like it doesn't affect like your I don't think it affects like friendships um and stuff I think being more very open about being more open about it 
when you're in like a formal environment's really good because more I think more and more especially like from when I was in school to now it's definitely a lot more apparent and a lot more open and people are a lot more wanting like a lot more wanting to help and understanding whereas like before in school it was but it wasn't really talked about and I was always the the kid that would go off to this little place um she'd always be the outsider and she was always kind of the person that was would have to go to like these special things and I think now more and more if you're like if I'm I just be open about it and not and that's the thing that I've really learned is to be open open before I was always very shut off about needing help um and you'd always just try and do everything and everything and you, you can't do everything like I've got an now an agent in my art and they you know you just be very open to what you're struggling with or what you kind of want help with what to check and everyone's okay everyone knows and wants to help so I think it's just like the more open you are and accepting if you can't do that does not matter just like say say you're going to struggle with it and then you know people are okay they want they like people want the best to help yeah absolutely I think that's so important for people to hear that we just need to be honest and open about what we're going through whether it's someone that has dyslexia or just an issue in their daily life but if you struggle you know internally that that problem isn't going to be solved and you're not going to feel any better and it's not going to help you to get anywhere but if you're open and honest about things then yeah of course people are going to be there to support you and they're going to understand you so much better and know and know how to do that and say you know if something's gone wrong and they don't understand why they might get you know annoyed and angry at you whether that's with your friends or in a work setting but actually when you're honest and explain what's going on they're not going to have that same reaction yeah yeah I think it's definitely taken me a while to I think everyone like not just being dyslexic you know I think being more open is a really good it's a it's good it's good you know it miscommunication is the thing that always doesn't help and I think more so with learning having the struggle of not being not being able to communicate as well as some people can I think you know it's a really good like learning curve that you just need to be honest and open like I always go this if you don't ask you don't you don't you don't get you don't know so if you don't say you don't need help no one's going to presume you need help and then if you're struggling no one's going to presume you're struggling so then you're just like being your own worst enemy because because if you never say it and people will just be like oh well she's not putting the effort in she's not thinking about it and then that's when they start to presume things but if you just honestly say I'm struggling with this and I can't really do that people don't mind like they want to help you they don't want to be horrible so at least by opening up about it you can get that help you need and I think one of the other important things to say would be like even at the end of your emails now you write like um I don't know it says something like I have dyslexia um something like that but at least people know you know if it's slightly written in a wrong way that that's why um and I think they then become really understanding of why you are that way yeah yeah I think yeah it's just kind of being more confident in being slightly different yeah definitely I think it's amazing to hear you speak so openly and talk about what you can do in in order to allow yourself to achieve and live the best life that you want to because I think some people listening themselves might have dyslexia or start 
to notice signs and symptoms that they might have and have noticed struggles that they have and not known how to to deal with them and it's amazing to hear you talk about what you've put in place but also the importance and power of being open and honest and how that can help you um what would you kind of say are your top tips for people that might be struggling with dyslexia or how best to support someone in their life that has dyslexia I think uh be patient <laughs> I think like yeah most of the people in my family have been extremely patient um uh, I think it's also to um you have to kind of accept and then be happy with that and um it's okay and also like I think in today now uh, the society is a lot more it's okay to be different Mm-hmm. whereas you know I would say like even just 10 years ago it maybe wasn't so okay to be different um and I think like it's just being it's being happy that even though you might not be able to do something as well as someone else like just don't just don't even bother just go and find just do focus on way. yeah just focus on your way mm-hmm. and I mean it's hard everyone loves to like compromise um judge and just like see what everyone else is doing but you know everyone has their own different struggles you just really need to like focus on what you're strong at focus on that and just like if you can't do something who really cares it doesn't like not most people care I think that's so powerful because there is something like everybody can't do something whatever it is you know it is Mm. So there is something there. So just don't focus on what you can't do. And instead, you you have to do. Look at what you can do. Look at what you can do well and just capitalise on them. Because by doing that, like you've been able to pursue your art. Like you say, you've made that into a business. And, you know, it's taking steps forward every single day. And you wouldn't have been able to do that if you just still constantly focused on, you know, the fact that you can't do some things as well as others. And you've been able to really push through that barrier so I think there's so much that people can take from what you've said today you've said some amazing things and I think the most important thing I would say is that you've said is it's okay to be different be proud of who you are and just go with the flow with that and don't try and force things but at the end of all of our episodes we always finish with two truths so basically we're going to give you two questions and you pick one question and you have to answer it as honestly as possible okay so our two questions today, number one is if you were on a desert island, you were deserted, what were the three things that you would take with you? And our second question, because you are Hannah's sister, is there a secret or something that Hannah doesn't know? You can choose which question you'd like to answer. <laughs> she doesn't know. I think Hannah knows pretty much everything. <laughs> you have to go with the other one then. <laughs> you have to go with the other one. Um, what three things would I take on an island? That's I think I know one of these. Really? Yeah. Um, I hope you say it now. (laughs) Oh no, I don't know because like usually I would say I'd probably take pencils and paper, but if you're on a desert island, you can make that. (laughs) You can find ways to make it, so you probably that's clever. I like that idea. Yeah. See, I was going to say sketchbook, but you've answered that now. Yeah because you can just make pencils out of burning wood so I don't um I don't know three things I would probably take um a pair of trainers probably 
and nice. <laughs> we love that I think I'd probably I'd probably take a pencil sharpener Good or thing. a knife like a sharp knife actually yeah a sharp knife oh, uh, multi-purpose yeah <laughs> yeah don't don't get in my way if she gets hangry she gets hangry big time yeah you don't want I get very hangry so <laughs> I'm hungry don't be on that desert island with me <laughs> uh, and my third one what about your teddy yeah probably if I was by myself I probably would yeah that'd yeah. be one of my three things Katie <laughs> has a panda and peanut butter would be coming <laughs> oh yeah of course but then your peanut butter tub would just end I try and oh take, that'd like, be very sad yeah peanut plant or something so you could get your own nice yeah. nice very or resourceful could you, could you take like a lifetime supply with that cow <laughs> just oh, keeps yeah, coming I'd take a lifetime supply of peanut butter and then I'd be okay yeah, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, I'd be good for the rest for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh, Alice, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think my, I've you know taken so, so much from that myself, and I think our listeners will as well. And a great way to end our season. So thank you so much. Thank you. Mm-hmm.